Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Milmine, and this is episode 175, Liz's Lucky Scarf. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 175 of the Shiny Bees podcast. How are you? I'm Jo, I am your host, and today is Tuesday, the 20th of April, 2021. How's it going? How have you been since last time I was with you chatting all things knitty, in particular all things that are gifts for knitters that are not more yarn? and had lots and lots of feedback from that episode and some other ideas that I'm hoping to be sharing with you over the coming episodes about other stuff that you could potentially gift to a knitter that's not more yarn. And a lot of people are sporting those Adidas trainers now. I've been tagged in a lot of enabled posts, which always makes me smile. And you know what? They're 25% off at the moment as well in the Adidas store. So get amongst it, go and get yourself some of those trainers. You won't regret it. So if you are a new listener today, welcome. Glad you found us, glad you found the show and I hope you will enjoy hanging out with us and what you find here. And if you are a returning listener, as always, mega, mega grateful for you to come back and listen to me and hang out with us again. It's always great to have you. This episode is recorded in memory of one of our listeners and the reason why the podcast was delayed from Friday was was due to the really sad news that one of my absolute favourite listeners and dear, dear friends, Elizabeth Marley, Liz Marley as you might know her, or at Greenside Knits on Twitter, that was the place she hung out with the snark, very, very sadly passed away extremely suddenly last week. And to be honest with you, I was in tears all day on Friday. I was absolutely, absolutely gutted. Uh, to hear this really unexpected news and it completely knocked me for six and there was just no way, no way that I could record an episode on Friday um, because I was just gutted, basically. And the title of this episode is Liz's Lucky Scarf and you'll find out why that is the title that, that took me this week but yeah, hopefully I will do Liz proud with this episode that she won't hear, um, but a lot of her friends will. And hopefully, you know, she'll be sat sat on a cloud somewhere, knocking out a row with Heather Sparkle Duck, and we'll catch this episode in, in her own due time. So what have I got for you today? I've got a bit of an update of what's been going on and some of Liz's favourite stuff, some knitting, some gin, and some book recommendations. So it's going to be a chill day episode. We're just going to have a bit of a catch up and, you know, hang out with each other again. So grab your knitting, grab your gin, and let's crack on with the show. So update wise then, what have I been up to? I've been a bit quiet. I have been a bit quiet and that's because it's been a bit busy, busier than usual. And effectively, what sort of happened was we're moving house again. <laughs> I know. 
And yeah, it was a very unexpected turn to be moving house. Essentially, as you'll know, if you've listened to the podcast for a little while now, that um, my little boy has a language disorder, it's quite severe. And there's a school that we want him to go to in a different area. And we thought we would be able to get him in first and then move. But it turns out we've got to move first and go through a lot of kind of legal proceedings to get get it all agreed and funded. So he's got a place in the school, but we found out we were going to have to move a lot, lot sooner than we expected to an area that honestly I wouldn't move to otherwise. It's not on my, my list of places is Surrey, but you know, being a, a, a very ardent northerner, not entirely sure how it's going to go. However, you know, we've got to do it. So we're doing it. And yeah, got put on a big, massive mission about three weeks ago to find a house with not an awful lot of time to do it. And if you're in the UK at the moment, you'll know that everyone's gone absolutely bonkers of a moving house because of Rishi and his millions and the stamp duty holiday, which doesn't actually save you any money because the houses are all the most expensive they ever have been now. Well done, Rishi. Um, so obviously normally I'd be like, meh, I'm not moving in the same way that I didn't buy toilet roll when all you idiots did and you're still trying to work your way through them. Um, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be choosing to do it. However, we ended up and found ourselves in, in that situation. So when it's a place you've never been to before and had no desire to go to, it's a bit tricky because obviously like normally when I move house, it's all kind of arranged for me or it's to somewhere that I would want to go to or it's to somewhere somewhere where I already know somebody or something like that. And this wasn't. So it, it ended up being a bit of a mission of ringing estate agents and trying to find out what's going on and where's a good area and all of this kind of stuff. And we dropped on a house because this is like commuter belt for London, this is not the place to be moving to right now, especially seeing as everyone in London wants to get rid of their two bedroom flats and move to the country where there is nothing. I mean, they're not going to stay there for more than a year before they go back, but whatever guys crack on. Um, but I ended up chatting to an estate agent who had this perfect place coming on and it was all falling beautifully into place and she managed to get us in to see it it was two streets away from the school. She managed to get my husband in to see it with an hour's notice. It wasn't even on the market. It, it was. It fit the brief completely. And we were like, yeah, cool. Okay, let's do it. And then I wanted to go and have a look at it and just to check what it was like, because he wasn't very keen, needed a lot of work. Uh, but I am the interior design master. So I'm like, yeah, no, we can do it. Let me go look. Let me just go see. And I'll tell you what we can do. So I went to go see it. And it's a 200 mile drive one way every time we do this. So hopped in the Mini, cracked on down the M6, which is still not finished. If you're in the UK, you will know the M6 is like the main motorway from the north to the south. And there's been roadworks on this road for about the last 10 years. But I never see anyone doing any roadworks. There are miles and miles and miles of 50 mile an hour speed limit and cones and zero progress other than I notice what they've now done despite a year of lockdown when they could have had this you know could have had it cracked Rishi's got money for everything else could have had this road finished because there's nobody on it right no they've just put a sign up saying we work nights on this road really are you sure which nights Christmas Eve and just that so anyway M6 
and up and down the uh, in in the mini, which is always you know it's always pleasing being in the mini. And I went and saw it, and we decided we were going to buy this house. So I got stuff to schmooze the estate agent. I did all of the right things, and unfortunately for us, there was someone else who'd also seen the house on the morning because it had gone on the open market in the meantime. And had we just offered on it beforehand, we would have had the house, but we didn't, and. We both offered the same money and the vendor picked us because of the reason why we were moving because she also had a child, has a child with additional needs. So she understands how it is, right? Unfortunately for us, the other person involved um, didn't like losing and, you know, had two flats in London she didn't even need to sell to move to Surrey. You know, we're busy cutting kidneys out of our kids to, to finance this. And it just turned around and said, well, what about if I offer 25 grand more? even though she knew the reason why, you know, the entire family are moving there. So I fully expect to, you know, find a, an article about her being squashed by a house in, in the future. But effectively, that meant that we were gazumped after having the offer accepted and had to start all over again, which was pretty soul destroying, especially on Easter weekend when nobody is selling anything. Everything's already under offer because it's commuter belt for London. And we literally had a week to get it done because I was going to be solo parenting again. And you just can't hop off down the motorway to go look at a house on a few hours notice when you've got two kids and two geriatric dogs with various ailments. So not ideal, not ideal. Don't mind saying but I figured, right, you know what, let's put ourselves in the right place at the right time. Let's do everything we can, throw everything we can at it. So I rang every agent and told them I was going to be there the following Thursday and Friday. I filled up the mini and <laughs> prepared myself to be there and booked a viewing on, on every single house that was available, that was doable. Basically, I booked a house and I told them all I'd be there on Thursday and Friday and I didn't really need any notice and just to call me if something was going to come on. So I packed up the mini and it was it was a bit of a cold snap that week and I decided that I was going to take my look. I needed some Liz look. I needed some look. So I decided to take a scarf that had been hand woven by Liz Greenside Knits. And this scarf has always been my lucky scarf since I, I won it because I won it at Pod Retreat 1, the first one, which you can hear all about on um, Swans, Clowns and Unicorns is the episode. It's a very early episode of the podcast and I talk in that about pod retreat. It was hilarious down to the really strange artwork, the batwing tracksuit, everything about it was so funny and that's where I first met Liz in person and she was just an absolute riot. So witty, so fun and just like really, really lovely person to be around. Really, really enjoyed her. And we had like a little, um, you know, you would bring a, a gift and we'd all have a swap, right? Like Secret Santa, but without the Santa because it wasn't Christmas. And we all swapped. And I was lucky enough to receive Liz's parcel, which was this beautiful, beautiful hand woven from hand dyed yarn scarf. So it's mostly purple and it's got all these different colours in it. So it looks a little bit tartan and rainbow at the same time. 
And these were all bits from other projects that she'd made that were leftovers and then she'd woven them into this purple Malabrigo. And I was just loving it because I'm like, you've all got potential. Like you've got a skein of yarn and I mean, it's beautiful yarn. Like I'm loving your sparkly grey yarn there, aiming at spin cake, like a little bit of looking when everyone else was open, opening theirs. And then I got like something finished. Bearing in mind that I had two small kids at this point and not much time for knitting, not much has changed really, but I got this scarf and it, I would just, it, I, it was my lucky scarf from, from getting it. I'm like, ah, look at me, like put it on, lording it over everyone, you know, like I do, just, just being a bit of a brat and uh, loved it. And so every time since that point that I have needed some good luck, I have gone to my Lizzie's lucky scarf. And I've got tons of shawls, right? Could have could have picked any of them. But I decided that I wouldn't need a jacket. If I had, you know, like my jumper on, woolly jumper and a woolly scarf, I wouldn't need a jacket because you're kind of jumping in and out of the car and people turn the heating up too high and you don't want to be sweaty. You know, I hate being sweaty. But I'm like, I've got my lucky scarf, right? So I'm, I'm going to be right because I've got my lucky scarf. Lizzie's lucky scarf. Anyway, Lizzie's lucky scarf is still lucky, right? It's still doing its job because... On the Wednesday night, when I was seriously considering chinning it all off and just going home because I did not want to get involved in this at all, and I was really despondent, on right move, up pops this house. From an agent that had not been extending an awful lot of effort schmoozing, just from a different different town. It wasn't exactly where I was looking. It was off, off to one, one side, but still very doable. And it pops up. So I asked Millie, because I was driving the next morning straight away to go and start a day of viewings. I asked him, can you please call them? It looks nice. Can you call them? Get me in today. Here's the spreadsheet of where I'm going to be at what time. Please pick a good time and let me know. Anyway, Lizzie's lucky scarf on mini. <laughs> music. And off we go. And essentially... We ended up getting two offers accepted on two houses, one of which was this particular house that popped up out of the blue. And we ended up going with that house because it all just sort of led into that. So I really think that Lizzie's lucky scarf was the thing that made the difference to me. And I'd forgotten all about it in my kind of, you know, devastation of not you know knowing that I wasn't gonna see her at pod retreat or you know see her pop up on Twitter anymore and being really sad and it, it just caught me I was like brilliant Lizzie's lucky scarf like she you know Liz had me even even down to times when you don't think so so yeah I am um, yeah I'm really pleased I've still got Liz's lucky scarf and I feel like that's always going to be a lucky scarf for me now. So I'm moving, dear reader. I've checked out the local yarn shops. There's one in Caterham. I've not checked out the others yet, but effectively I'm, I'm going to be decamping to the south. I'm not quite sure how I feel about the village bakery offering footlong vegan sausage rolls right now, being a staunch northerner, but I'll get there. I'll get there eventually, I think. I think so, yeah really cool 
so all, all systems go. I don't know how I'm going to keep the podcast going over the next few months. I've not even thought about that yet. But effectively, that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been doing. And that's why it's been so hectically crazy. You know, starting legal action with the council, moving house, getting gazumped, all of that stuff. It just doesn't really lend itself to to getting some things done. And you just sometimes you've just got to say, you know what? I've got to let it ride. I, I can't do everything. And it's okay to say no. And another one of my lovely listeners and my coaching group um, said to me, you know, I'm in awe of what you do. Like, I can't believe you just, like stuff like this happens and you just get on with it and, you know, you you have to move or the kids or whatever. And you're just like, it's like you can't, you know, you can just deal with anything. And obviously I was a bit bashful. I was like, no, you just, everyone just gets on with it, don't they? And she's like, no, really, like it's a talent. <laughs> and um, it just got me thinking, I'm like, well, when when you jump out of a plane, right, not that I recommend this, I mean, I don't know why you would jump out of a perfectly serviceable aircraft, frankly, but when you jump out of a plane with a parachute, and I know this, I've been trained in it, right, because I used to be a gliding instructor when I was a kid, well, I was an adult, but like younger, 19, and I learned how, you know, how you're supposed to land if you have to egress the aircraft in an emergency with a parachute, right? And you kind of land with your knees bent and together and then you roll, right? Roll onto your side. If you try and land straight, you're probably going to break your legs and your back, right? You're going to shatter a femur. It's not going to be pleasant. And you're probably going to break bones anyway. But the, the key is, is to hit the ground rolling, right? And that is my recommendation to you. Like if you're in a throw yourself out of a plane situation or anything else, just hit the ground and roll, right? Don't fight it. Don't try and fight the ground. Just hit the ground and roll. Everything, just hit the ground and roll spread the force okay and then you're probably just going to get some superficial injuries and not a shattered femur so yeah crazy 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 so that's where we are but that has meant that some of the other peripheral activities that have been taking part in have sort of fallen to one side one of which being the yoga which was a daily practice for almost a year that just went off a cliff and also the podcast i was just like nope nope so there's been no show notes for the last two episodes there's been no recordings for about a month but I was just like nope gotta say no to that and and the knitting as well obviously has taken a little bit of a hit because it's just been so kind of frazzling however I've come back round to it so I decided not to self-flagellate over the yoga I mean I'm gonna flagellate enough because my arms are not as weak are not as strong as they were and I'm now restarting another year of, of yoga. I'm just going to restart again, start the chain again, see if I can get to 365 again. Why not? Right? Every day. So I've restarted that with no guilt. I'm just like, okay, day one, let's go. And I've also reinvigorated the knitting. So last time we talked about what I was knitting on, I was working on my delicious little joys knit along project. And I'm pleased to tell you I'm still working on that. It was only 400 yards of shawl, but you know, things happen. One of these things being knitting on a shawl when you're too tired. Yes. So it is, the project is Glitz at the Ritz by Helen Stewart. It is a free pattern from Knitty. And the yarn that I'm knitting it in is Beedell 4-ply, which is an Eden Cottage Yarns yarn. And it is 50% baby yak and 50% silk. So it is really, really lovely to knit with. I'm pleased to tell you it also frogs really well because I made a mistake in the star lace knitting section. 
And I tried to sort of bodge it, but it was really quite obvious. And then I was having to bodge every other row where there was an increase or a change in the pattern. It was just getting a little bit ridiculous. So I had to rip it back. And because I had failed to use a lifeline at any point, lesson one, you're never too old to use a lifeline. Um, it meant that I had to unknit it rather than just being able to quickly rip it back to the lifeline and then re, you know, re-put it, put it back on the needles effectively. Now, if you're a new listener or a new knitter and you don't know what a lifeline is, it is what it sounds like, right? So a lifeline, throw me a lifeline. And what you do is you, at certain points in your project, and it's especially useful with a lace project, um, you put in a spare piece of yarn across your knitting. And what that means is, is if there's any problems or you make a mistake, you can just pull your needles out, rip it back really quickly. And then because you've kept that that line, where you, the lifeline where you knew it was correct, you can just slip those stitches back onto your needle, pull out the lifeline again, and off you go and start again from that particular point, right? It, it, it's, it, it's basics. Like, don't forget to do the lifelines. That's the whole point. Like, you're never too old for lifelines. You are clearly too cocky for lifelines, Joe, sometimes. And that's why we ended up in this situation, isn't it? Note to self. So when I ripped back to the start of the star lace section, which took ages because I didn't rip out to unknit it back, I decided to re-embrace the lifelines and it's been going really well since then. And I decided to make it into a, like a one row a day project because obviously there's been lots of stuff going on for me recently. And a lot of things that I find really important that add value to my life that I enjoy doing sort of felt by the wayside and I don't want that to happen. I mean, it's a choice to not do the things that make you happy and it's a choice to do them, right? It's a choice to prioritise doing that again and to find ways and structures in which you can make sure that you do it because it's super easy just to think, I'm a bit tired, I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, but you never feel that good about it. You know, you never think, oh, that was the right thing to do afterwards. You do in the moment, but it's sort of credit card actions, really, where you end up paying for it later, um, as I'm paying for it now because I can't lift my arms up anymore. After being super strong and super great at plank, I'm like, oh, my shoulders are really aching. And it's the same with the knitting, isn't it? You know, if you don't prioritise sitting down and doing it at a time where you can be successful with it, which is not before bed or after a glass of wine, in my case, at this level of fatigue or with this particular project, then you're not going to have that success, right? So I decided I'm going to choose to do the yoga every day again. No questions. I'm going to choose to do at least a row a day in a de at a decent time where I'm not going to make a mistake. And if I do more than a row, that's fine. And if I don't do one, then, you know, I could do one on a smaller project even, but I'm trying to do a row a day on this particular project because I really want to get it finished. Everyone else finished their delicious little joys Cal projects like in February when it finished and I'm still here nearly in May with the same project. So I really wanted to make that a priority. So that's what I'm doing. But it is a really good pattern. Like it's not the pattern that's the problem. It's the knitter that's the problem. But I've recognised that and I'm taking steps to address it. So that's all good. The other thing that I am going to be working on, along with the For Fox Sake jumper, which is, it's that's ready in the wings, because 
undertaking an extra large jumper for a massive husband is, you know, that is going to be an undertaking. I'm going to need to do more than a row a day on that, aren't I? Unless I just want to finish it when we move into a care home when we're about 90. Um, But the other project that I'm working on that's hopefully going to be a bit smaller and, you know, one of those things that I can work on more when I'm maybe I'm not 100% is um, I'm going to be making a blanket out of West Yorkshire Spinners Colour Lab yarn for my little nephew. And I'm going to use a washcloth pattern. The patterns are by Carolyn Lyle of the Periwinkle Dragon Designs. And I have talked about this before because it's been like a long-term ambition of mine to make a blanket out of these particular washcloth patterns because they are all different patterns of uh, Nintendo characters. So like Mario, Zelda and all that kind of stuff. Now I love the retro games and my brother-in-law also loves the retro games. So it follows that the nephew will also love the the retro games. And it's just a bit more fun than maybe a twee or old fashioned baby blanket. Like, you know, the family's probably already provided that. Uh, No one's going to have provided a Nintendo blanket. But cool Auntie Joe is. Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So I'm going to be working on that because it's modular, isn't it? There's Each one is like one square. It's quite small. So instead of using the bigger needles that the pattern calls for, I'm going for DK yarn, four millimeter needles, and I'm going to test it. And if it isn't stiff enough, I'll go down a couple of needle sizes to make the squares, you know, the, the kind of fabric that I'm looking to get out of this. And I'm umming and ahhing as to whether to put a backing on this blanket. Now, some people have used the patterns, the charts, and they're all free, by the way. I will link across them in the show notes. Unfortunately, they're only available on Ravelry, but I will link across them. Like I said, they're all available for free and they're great, like cool, really cool stuff. And if you just want a cool washcloth, you could just make a washcloth if you wanted, but I'm going to make a blanket. So I'm trying to decide whether to back the blanket in a fabric to make it kind of double-sided or not. And as I said, some of the people have done this in a double knitting style. So they've used the chart, but they've done it as double knitting. So that you get that it's already sort of backed, isn't it? And with one one colour scheme on one side and the opposite on the other. So I don't want to do double knitting because I think that's going to be too hot, but um, I don't know whether to, to back it or not, the blanket and how I'm going to connect them together. They're probably going to need to be crocheted together, I think. But that's obviously going to add quite a bit of weight. So, I mean, I could sew them or I could do them in strips. So I only have to sew them on one side or, you know, something like that. Maybe I could do some kind of join as you go type thing. I'm not I'm not really sure. I need to figure that part out. But the mo- I mean, the modular effect makes more sense because then I've got a little project I can carry around and work on more easily. So if you've ever done one of those or, you know, some kind of project like that and you have a favourite way to join the squares, because, I mean, there's loads of options. I just need to sit and figure it out. But if you've got a particular way that you know works really well, definitely let me know. You can email me, info at shinybees.com or just tag me on socials. I'm at shinybees on most stuff apart from TikTok because I'm too cool for TikTok. And um, oh, I just I just can't mess about like, no, no TikTok. Um but tag me on all the socials with your tips. I'd love to hear what your experience is and if there's anything that you find works particularly well for this. Because I think it's going to be something it's going to use for a long while because um, 
Sanimal, he loves a blanket. I've got this like Ikea blanket that we have. It's just acrylic in, in the kitchen, diner area. And he lo- he loves getting under that blanket. He's always pulling it off and getting under it. And so I think, you know, a Nintendo blanket would be even cooler. So yeah, let me know what you think would be best for that. So let's go on to a little bit of gin then. So we're going to stop for a little refresher. Slow gin was one of Liz's favourites. So we're going to have a slow gin fizz recipe, like halfway through the episode, you know. It's probably more than halfway through, but you're definitely ready, surely, for a little aperitif by now. So you will need 50ml of slow gin, 20ml of lemon juice, 15ml of syrup and 20ml of egg whites. Method. Shake together the slow gin, lemon, sugar syrup, a rosemary sprig, which wasn't on the list, and the fresh egg white with ice. Then shake without the ice to ensure maximum frothage. Serve straight up in a wine glass with a slapped rosemary sprig aloft. Love the attitude on that. Love it. So that is our slow gin fizz recipe. So into the book section then. It's been a little while since we have chatted books on the podcast, but I have been merrily working my way towards my goal for 2021 of reading 100 books in a year as a challenge, which sounds super easy. Like I reckon I read a lot of books. I've always got several on the go. But as with all these things, it does sometimes seem to take a while to get through them. And when you look at how many you've kind of got through at the end of a specific time frame, it's not always as many as you think. But I am on Goodreads. You can find me on Goodreads as Joe Millmine if you want to go and look at any of the books that I am reading. And I just picked out a few to share with you for some ideas of ones that you might want to try. I know some of you will have read some of these and I always love it when people let me know what books they're, they're reading. We actually have in the Shiny Bees community over on Mighty Networks, we have like a bookish knitters topic where people are sharing their books that they're, they're reading and recommendations, which is really good, right? Because you don't want to end up, it's nothing worse than getting a book and it being a bit rubbish. So luckily I was given or lent a big box of books by my dear pal, Gingerbread Bunny, and she is into the same sorts of books that I am. So unlike Rural Library Roulette, which was a very big sport of mine for the last couple of years, where I would go into the local library and see what I could find in the fantasy section in a library that was mostly crime books and Mills and Boone. But these ones are pretty good and you generally don't find many in the library like if you've got a library that doesn't have a full set of Terry Pratchett they're probably not going to have a great urban fantasy sci-fi game but uh, luckily I've been lent quite a few and been recommended a few so I have three choices for you today to recommend to you and give you a bit of a review of what I thought of them so first up is the Parasol Protectorate series by Gail Carriger now there's five in this particular series. She's written a lot more books other than this anyway, but the five books in this series are Soulless, Changeless, Blameless, Heartless and Timeless. 
Now, it's set in Victorian times, so all of the steampunk and bustles, right? Strong female protagonist, Alexia Tarabotti, tick. She's the soulless one. There are werewolves, there are vampires. It's a, it's a fantasy. All good, right? All good. Now, I did really love the wit and the banter in this series. Like, she doesn't mess about, does old Alexia. She is quite cutting with her her bants. She's funny, you know, quite irreverent and very capable lady. So we always enjoy that, right? It's always fun to read books about that. But what I didn't like, I mean, she, she ended up killing a, a vampire with her umbrella in the opening pages of the first book. Love that. Happy days. This is the kind of girl that I could go drink gin and knit with, right? Absolutely. But I was just a little bit kind of <sighs> when she ends up getting married in the first book. Like I, I did not feel like she needed to be married in the first book. I mean, for a start, that banter could have been dragged out for at least three or four books, right? And I'd have enjoyed that bit of bickering, you know, bit of one-upmanship or one-up-womanship. Happy days. I would have enjoyed that. I was just a bit like, this is pedestrian. So that was a bit annoying. and. It did kind of find its its way after that, and the the following couple of books was really fun, and there was a lot of kind of you know back and forth and character building that I really enjoyed. The last one sort of fell on its arse a little bit, I have to say. It, I mean, it only just felt like we got into the series, and the last one just felt like a bit of a let's just get it wrapped up and done. It didn't flow very well. Like some of the storylines that I would have enjoyed getting into was again just a little bit rushed and it was a bit bitty like I didn't really love the last one so I was a bit sad about the ending because it didn't really feel like that should have been the end and that should have been the way it's done but I don't know maybe that's how book deals go right so it was a fun read and I'd recommend having a look at it but I found some parts of it a little bit twee and frustrating particularly the need to be married to someone for the story to progress I'm a bit like nah don't really feel like this fits with the character I mean of the times I guess but anyway that is the Parasol Protectorate series Soulless, Changeless, Blameless, Heartless and Timeless by Gail Carriger. Number two is Strange Practice Dr Greta Helsing number one by Vivian Shaw. Now again it's an urban fantasy somewhat unsurprisingly I don't really read anything else and in in the you know in the sort of fiction side of things anyway it's definitely like a 95% fantasy werewolves vampires witches stuff and because it tends to be quite witty so that's why I like it but it's another one of those by Vivian Shaw and essentially Greta is a doctor for the supernatural and she has to stop a weird cult of like satanic monks from basically killing her and all of her patients also contains vampires and demons and it was quite good. I liked it. It reminded me an awful lot of the Invisible Library series by Genevieve Cogman, which I've talked about on the podcast before. Again, really loved it. Strong female protagonist, vampires, werewolves, all of that stuff, um, fantasy. But it, a lot of how how things went and her advisors and her like a little gang felt very reminiscent of the Invisible Library, which, um, not in a bad way, just reminded me of that, unlike the next book, which I will come on to. 
So definitely worth a little look at that one. It doesn't get the best reviews from some people who didn't like the writing style. I didn't find it to be a problem. And apparently the audiobook is a bit flat. Again, I didn't listen to the audiobook, so I can't personally comment on that. Um, but it's something to bear in mind if you are an audible person rather than a read the book person. So that is Strange Practice by Vivian Shaw. And finally, I have number three, The Stranger Times by C.K. McDonnell, uh, which is quite a new book. It only came out in, I think, March. And I had been sent the review of this by a dear friend of mine who has a wonderful witty. She's not a knitter. I don't know why. But she does do gin and she's very witty. And um, she'd seen this in The Times and sent the review to me to look at because she thought it was right up my street. So The Times compared this particular book to Terry Pratchett, which I absolutely love. Plus, it was set in Manchester, which is like my home, my spiritual home. I love Manchester. I love everything about Manchester, even the rain, like it is my place, right? So lived there for three years, absolutely love it. And I've always harboured an ambition to write like a fantasy series set in Manchester. So I was partially dead excited and partially like, oh, no, I can't do that now because they've done it. And it's quite, it's quite an established author but a first kind of foray into the fantasy style, this particular style. So it was supposed to be very Terry Pratchett and I'm afraid it wasn't. It wasn't, there wasn't anywhere near enough footnotes and if you read Pratchett you'll know it's full of really funny footnotes and explanation. It just wasn't as witty. It was The observational humour wasn't quite there as much. It is the first in the series and, you know, Colour of Magic was also dreadful. So there's time, right? But it, I think... It was a bit lazy to call it very Terry Pratchett. But what it definitely was, was Rivers of London. It was really, really similar to the point where I could like say, this character is, is that character. This one's Beverly Brooke. That one's this character. That one's that character. Um, and I guess like, you know, there are, there are no new stories and all of that, but you can't just take something out of London and put it in Manchester and change a few aspects to be like, not the police, but a newspaper and it be okay, like it not still be the same, in my opinion. So I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the story. I've lent the book to my cousin because I said, you'll probably like this because you like Pratchett. Like it is a good book. I'd definitely read the next one. It was, ve it was very, very similar to Rivers of London for me. And, but it actually had an ending, whereas Rivers of London just got off a cliff. Um, but it was, it was, it was quite similar and not enough Manchester in there there were some token mentions but I just it started off and I felt like it was going to be really good and capture that kind of like northern sort of Mancunian thing that is very difficult to it's very difficult to explain unless you're there it's just a very specific thing to Manchester a feeling about the place that I really wanted to come through um, and I thought they were going to get it on the first page and he talks about being in Manchester and it raining all the time. And I thought there was going to be a lot of that kind of side eye snark thing that that we do up here, but it, 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 there wasn't after that. So I was a bit disappointed, but I would definitely say to read it, like all that being said, I'm just being super critical because like I thought he'd nicked my idea for an urban fantasy. And it turns out if he's not because mine's going to be better than that. So that was The Stranger Times by Casey McDonnell. So that's all we've got time for this week. 
and I hope you've enjoyed the show and thank you to Liz for inspiring the different parts of this episode and for my lucky scarf which is always always truly truly appreciated I'm very 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 much gonna miss her around at knitting events and in fact the last time I saw her a funny last funny Liz anecdote for you was at a Yarnporium in London and I'm walking around you know at a yarn show in London and then I wasn't expecting to see her and I spotted her and I was I'm very over the top and excited anyway around people but I absolutely love Liz so and I wasn't expecting to see her and I don't know why it didn't occur to me to ask if she was going but I wasn't expecting to see her and I spotted her and literally every dog within a you know the square mile had his paws over its ears I was just like like some kind of demented spaniel puppy and because that's what I'm like I'm very very like you know animated and especially when I like someone right and she just bless her she just looked at me with this like right half smile that she does and she's like Joe lovely to see you how are you and I'm just like ah, I'm so excited because I wasn't expecting to see you and here you are and it's so amazing and ah and she's just like in, in in her imitable way, it was just like, I don't know why you didn't expect to see me, Joe, because it is a yarn show and I do work around the corner. And I was just like, yeah, you've got a point there, mate. Like, bah, I'm so excited. And I was genuinely, genuinely delighted to, like, genuine joy to see her. And that is the person that she was. And it was really good to see people on Twitter sharing the memories of her and that she'd made this impact and this impression and was so kind and so lovely to so many people and I just felt really happy that other people had got to experience the Liz that I'd got to experience so I, I am devastated and I will really really miss her but hopefully she's now forever immortalized on on the podcast as well so that's all we've got time for this week I hope you've enjoyed the show and I will catch up with you again next time. But until then, have a lovely week. Happy crafting and I will speak to you again soon. Cheers. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found at shinybees.com forward slash 175. 